Welcome, Larva and Giant Kin, to the Monster Smash League, where feeding your Mogwai after midnight is not only allowed, it's encouraged. I'm Batboy, and joining me on commentary is the 42nd head of Typhon, Greek father of all monsters. Thank you, Matthew. But 42 has a head coat, so I will be filling in for him. Head number 8 is my designation. Oh, alright. This feels like something I should have been warned about in advance. You're probably wondering why I was assigned the number 8. Not really, seems pretty straightforward. No need to ask, I'll tell you. 8 is the number of perfection. The Egyptians believed that it is the number of balance and cosmic order. I, being the most dignified and intelligent, claimed the number for myself. That's great, I guess. So when 42 approached the group and explained his plight, I was more than willing to assume responsibility for his performance in this evening's Monster Fisticuffs event. Monster Smash League. Yes, that. You seem very different from the tie I'm used to. Oh, thank Elysium for that. Though his skills as a broadcaster are admirable enough, number 42 is quite brutish and, shall I say, ignorant. I suppose, but don't you all share a consciousness? You are one creature, after all. (laughs) Please, we share knowledge, but beyond that, our personalities are as varied as the colors of the rainbow. Really? Well, I I guess I've only spent time with number 42. Yes, we know. We discuss your favoritism during our monthly meetings. Meetings? Yes. We have to gather every 30 days or so to report new developments and vote on important items. So, if every head is different, what is head number 50 like? Shy and introverted. He usually buries himself beneath everyone else. Head number 99? Absolutely adores Echidna. Very attentive as a husband and father. Head number 69? (laughs) A pig, obviously. Head number 2? Second in command. Number 2 runs the day-to-day when number 1 is busy. Then I have to know. Head number 1. The main, non-snake-like head atop your body. Number 1 is the terrifying master of cruelty that battled Zeus. Every legend and myth speaks of him when telling the tale of Typhon. With 100 heads, there has to be some overlap. Well, yes. Some heads are more similar than others. Any that are more like 42. Why do you ask, Matthew? Do you not approve of my participation? First of all, Matthew? Secondly, it's not that I have an issue with you, Eight. It's that we have a certain tone to uphold that our listeners expect. You're just less fight club and more masterpiece theater. Ah, (laughs) yes. You object to those who are cultured like myself. (sighs) Do you even watch the matches when you aren't in the booth? What matches? You, Typhon, are in the arena when 42 is calling the action. So have you, number 8, ever watched a monster smash? I'm usually wearing earplugs and reading Dostoevsky or Chekhov. Earplugs? The screaming and cheering can be very distracting. So you know absolutely nothing about how any of this works. Of course I do, Matthew. (laughs) Bat. Boy. I told you. 
We all share knowledge. I know everything about these creature battle clubs that 42 does. I find that hard to believe, and if true, I now question everything number 42 has said up to this point. I believe the next event on the program is to review which two beasts will be competing. Do we not contact Ms. Jennifer Greenteeth for that? Well, you aren't wrong, Ty. Let's send it down to Jenny Greenteeth with the matchup. Thank you for not calling me Jennifer, BB. I'm here in the Aberration Station Arena where the field has been transformed into a mountain cave system. Our geomages have produced a complex series of tunnels and caverns for the battle tonight. Will it be difficult for us to see the action? Not at all. Magic has rendered the exterior completely transparent, meaning that those on the outside will see everything happening inside. Within the cave, however, the walls are opaque and look like your standard stone walls. The perfect place to battle without the distractions of cheering fans. See? Even the brutes are affected by the loud noise. You're the absolute worst, number eight, and I hate you. Tonight's matchup is the first this season since we'll be branching out of the world of folklore and myth and into the realm of popular literature. It's going to be the sacred Chinese unicorn, the Chilin, facing down the dreaded Red Bull from Peter S. Beagle's novel, The Last Unicorn. Thanks, Jenny. Well, number eight, you must be excited. A monster from literature. I don't read fantasy. Of course you don't. I do find it amusing, however, that the bovine is from a book titled The Last Unicorn and will be facing a creature with the nickname of Unicorn. Yes, Ty. Thank you for identifying the obvious theme of the evening. You are welcome, Bartholomew. We'll be right back with a breakdown of the Chinese Chi Lin, right after this message from our human sponsors. I think that went well. Hey, can someone find a kidna and have her send in a different head? You need to check out the new podcast, And the Oscar Does Not Go To. Do you like movies? Do you like the Oscars and other award shows? Do you ever ask yourself, why the heck did The Shape of Water win Best Picture in a year where Get Out was nominated? Our very own Jenny Greenteeth, Wendy Penrod, and Baba Yaga herself, Tiffany Mills, will take you on a hilarious and thoughtful journey back in time to the Academy Awards of yesteryear to talk about a movie that won versus a movie that didn't to see if the results hold up. They've done episodes like Pulp Fiction versus Forrest Gump, Knives Out versus Parasite, Goodwill Hunting versus Titanic, Brokeback Mountain vs. Crash, and so many more. Try it out! I promise you won't regret it like I regretted seeing The Shape of Water in theaters. You can find And the Oscar Does Not Go To on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other listening platforms. And now, back to the show. During the earliest years of the Tang Dynasty, Famen Temple had become a haven for refugees fleeing the chaos of war caused by the end of the Sui Dynasty. Buddhist monks had been recruited by Emperor Gaotzu as caretakers of the spiritual grounds, as well as for the many homeless families. After the widespread revolts and civil wars, it seemed as if peace would finally engulf the land. 
Then, one night, enemies of the Empire invaded the temple and attacked the innocent people who slept there. The sky alighted with flames as the Buddhist buildings burned and the sounds of shouting filled the night air. A lone monk lay dying as several of the raiders approached him to finish their evil work. Suddenly, the vile warriors stopped as their eyes were drawn to a sight they had only heard about in legend, an animal similar to a short-necked giraffe with Chinese dragon-like features and a single antler protruding from its head, walking towards the monk so silently as to doubt it was even touching the ground. The creature's golden scales glimmered in the light from the flickering fire as it gently stood over the sage and lowered its face to nuzzle the doomed man's bloody hand. The invaders stood in awe while the monk smiled weakly and using the last of his strength placed his hand upon the mythic beast's upward flowing mane. In his final moment, he felt warm and at peace. When his breath had ceased, the beast raised its head to gaze upon his murderers. One by one, the men lowered their weapons until the creature gracefully turned and patiently walked back toward the smoke it emerged from, its cloven hooves never making even a hint of noise. While it could not change the outcome of the events they had participated in, those few warriors were forever changed from their encounter, for they had witnessed a Chilin. A chimerical creature that blends the features of a deer, giraffe, and dragon, the Chilin is said to appear when an illustrious ruler or great sage arrives or passes on. Depicted usually with one horn or antler, the mythical beast is sometimes known as the Chinese Unicorn due to its vague resemblance to and benevolent demeanor of the famous horned horse of ancient lore. So pure-hearted and gentle is the Chilin that it walks on air so as not to trample or disturb a single blade of grass. Traditionally a pacifist, the animal abhors violence and will refuse to engage with any hostile enemies unless they are of a purely evil origin. When it does come to the aid of an innocent being stalked by the forces of darkness, the Chi-Lin gallops from the skies with a blazing aura and fiery breath, incinerating its foes with divine judgment and fury. So, if your heart is full of hatred and murder, take heed. You may find that one of your victims was cosmologically meaningful in the eyes of the heavens. If that is the case, you might find yourself staring into the eyes of peace and purity taken physical form. Will you lay down your arms, or will you face your own mortality? Will you face the Chi Lin? G'day folks, I'm Yowie, and I'm here to break down the Chi-Lin's strengths and weaknesses on the battlefield. Joining me at this time is China's greatest philosopher and politician, the paragon of sages everywhere, Master Kong, better known as Confucius. Greetings, my hairy friend. 
First off, it's an honor to be in the presence of the Ridgy Didge Master of Memorable Quotes. Ah, yes. I've been informed that since my death in 479 BC, many people have come to assume that wise proclamations they read originated from me. Didn't they? Some, yes. But I would estimate that about 95% of the quotes attributed to me on the internet are false. Oh. Well, I've always been inspired by your inspirational motto, Our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. A beautiful slogan for perseverance. Yes, it is. And I didn't say it. Oh, sorry. Then, I suppose, my next favourite word of wisdom from you would have to be, choose a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Also not me. No one chose their occupation when I was alive. You were simply thrust into farm life or inherited your father's trade. Okay. But what about the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the Bible. Mine is, do not impose on others what you do not wish for yourself. Kind of the same thing, though. Well, Jesus wants you to go out of your way to do things in pursuit of God's approval, while mine simply means, don't be a jerk to people. Well... I'm stoked to know that all of my background homework I did preparing for this segment is completely bodgy and old Yowie is a dill. Come now. I did say plenty of things, like study the past if you would divine the future. Oh, wow. So the original history repeats itself. And the cautious seldom err. Very nice. And it is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Uh, actually, mate, it says here you didn't say that one. Oh, really? Huh. Weird. Anyway, we're here to discuss the Sheelin. What makes you qualified to discuss this magnificent beastie? When my mother was pregnant, a Sheelin appeared as I was about to be born. Since then, I've always felt a kinship with these gentle creatures. Ace! So, first of all, what exactly can these things do? The Chilin are divine animals that have been rumored to dwell within the gardens of deities and the most prestigious and benevolent of emperors. Their intelligence, durability, and speed are greater than your average mythical being. A bonzer advantage. Indeed. Combined with its ability to airwalk and project an aura of sacred flames makes it incredibly difficult to attack. Plus, these things are lucky, right? A minor influence over fate, yes. Stories have indicated that Chilin symbolize good luck and are able to subtly alter events to be more beneficial to those they might try to protect. Making it even more of a challenge to pin down. But the real question is how this Chinese unicorn can take the fight to the enemy. The Chilin is primarily a pacifist. They hate harming innocent things, which is why they walk on the air. Avoiding stepping on grass and other small creatures. Yes, but they are capable of unleashing a bout of fire from their mouths when provoked. In addition, they have their hooves and antlers for physical assault. Antlers? I thought they only had the one. Sometimes. It's not very consistent. The one in today's match has only one. Speaking of the match, you've mentioned that the Chilin is non-violent. How exactly are we encouraging it to participate in the Monster Smash today? Seems like it wouldn't really want anything to do with this kind of brutality. Alas, this I do not know. But I wish it good fortune in the challenge to come. I guess we'll have to wait and find out. Thanks for gabbing with me, Confucius. It's been a ripper. To know what you know and what you do not know, that is true knowledge. I don't think that one is yours either. Eh, still sounds good. I'll take it. Back to you, BB. Hooroo. Thanks, Yowie. 
What do you think of the Chi Lin number eight? Oh boy! That's one heck of a peculiar buck! I'll tell you what! Wait, you're not ahead number eight. Shoot! A curse I'm not! I'm head number 93. A kidna dropped in and said you was needing a new talker for your radio program, so I skizzered on down here and kicked Stuffy Butt back to the homestead. Okay. Well, what are your thoughts about the Chilin's pacifism? Man, I had a cousin who said he was one of them old pacifists. Wouldn't harm a butt hair on a chill. Charming. He didn't last long when cornered by a herd of wild pegasi. You ever seen a wild pegasi? No. Have you? No. They're terrifying. The sounds they make, their hooves all glowing like the piranhas of the sky. Ain't a bit of meat left on that bitch. Gee, look at the time. We need to go to a commercial break and then hear about the Chi Lin's opponent, the Red Bull. No hassle here. I'll keep going while they man's play. The catch So off. anyway, my cousin stoned me cracklefished. He was fighting them off, but he was one of them pacifistic people. So like, they were punching him and staring him and, and winging him. when the That's when they punch you with their catch wings. Right, like... Hmm. Completely remove the hair from the left nostril. Leave it nice and bushy in the right. Grease up those warts and oil up the armpits. Add a little garlic mist for the pores. And done. About time, man. That crusty red cap by the slug fountain was asking about you. Then I better go ogre there and pop some pimples. You sludge dog. Greener me body care and grooming supplies for goblinoids and swamp people. Tired of clean scenery? Then try the greener me. the color of blood. Not the springing blood of the heart, but the blood that stirs under an old wound that never really healed. A terrible light poured from him, like sweat, and his roar started landslides flowing into one another. His horns were as pale as scars. The Last Unicorn by Peter S. Beagle What does it take to frighten an immortal? A being destined to live for eternity should be confident in its place within the cosmic cycle, should it not? True, occasionally grievous injury from a power greater than themselves could theoretically harm them, even end them. But such rarity is nothing to fear. So what does it take to frighten a unicorn, a creature that has lived forever? An entity that is older than forever. The Red Bull. An elemental agent of chaos and terror, the Red Bull is relentless in its pursuit of those it has been tasked to hunt. With strength that is rumored to have no beginning and no end, even traditionally legendary beasts like dragons, harpies, and unicorns are helpless when faced with its blazing might. Only King Haggard, the miserable and selfish lord of Hagsgate, was able to bestow any form of control over this fiendish bovine. It is said that Haggard, 
through a mixture of stubbornness and unhappiness, did not fear the Red Bull when all others would, and curried its favor by tasking it with a purpose. Collect all of the unicorns of the world so they might bring him joy. With brutal efficiency and tireless drive, all but one of the immortal guardians of the forest were corralled and trapped within the ocean waves beneath Haggard's castle. A job well done for the Red Bull. But eventually, the terrible elemental will outlive its master and move on to the next prey. Because fear is timeless. Measuring anywhere between the size of a standard bull to larger than an elephant due to its ability to grow while in pursuit is the Red Bull. It gives you wings. I'm not allowed to have Red Bull because my doctors say I'm hyperactive, whatever that means. So the energy drink gives me energy, which is bad according to my doctors because otherwise I just keep talking and talking and talking. Folks of lore, let me introduce you to head number 14. Oh, hey, hey, everybody. My name is number 14 because no one likes my brothers, which is which is really fine because I don't like my brothers either because they're always picking on me and they're always saying things like, Mom didn't like you, and I'm always like, um, excuse me, I'm part of this body too. And they're always like, uh-uh, and I'm like, uh-huh, and they're like, uh-uh, and I'm like, uh-huh. And then sometimes I just wish that I could go away and like go hang out on something or like play on playground or do something else. But I'm like, oh, man, I got to bring all these other heads with me. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, there's so many other heads. And then I'm like, can I read their thoughts? And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, can they read my thoughts? And then and I realize I can't read their thoughts because they can't read my thoughts, or at least I don't think so because I can't read their thoughts. And so that's what's going on. So like today they were like, "Do you want to be in there with Bad Boy?" And I was like, "Bad Boy, oh my gosh, I like Bad Boy." And they were like, "Yeah." And I was like, "I know because I like him because I listen to him all the time, but I don't know where I know him." And they're like, "You know him because he's with Ty all the time." And I'm like, "Oh, that's right. I'm part of Ty's body." Thank you for that. So the Red Bull hails from Peter S. Beagle's fantasy novel, The Last Unicorn. Have you ever read it, number 14? I haven't read it because sometimes when I start to read books, I lose interest because I'm like, how come I can't see anything? And then my mom's like, that's what your imagination's for? And I'm like, my imagination? Oh my gosh. I have so many things going on in my head all the time with the imagination. I just can't sit down and read. So my mom's like, well, there's the last unicorn movie. So I sat down and I was like, the last unicorn of my life. And then my mom was like, please stop thinking that, please. We're at the dinner table. And I was like, but I'm the last unicorn. And she was like, we're at the dinner table. And I was like, sometimes I don't like to eat dinner because sometimes my tummy's just not that hungry by the time I get to dinner because I spend the whole time snacking. That's my mom said, like, snack too much. And so I'm like, I don't even want to do that. So sometimes I'll just not watch or eat anything at the dinner table. But I'm like, why do I even have to eat if the other heads are eating? Because sometimes it doesn't matter. It all goes to the same stomach, doesn't it? My mom's like, how do you know so much about stuff? And I'm like, because I read some stuff. And then she's like, I thought you didn't read books. And I'm like, you got me. I don't. But I did watch a movie on it. So sometimes I've watched The Last Unicorn, but I don't remember a lot of it except for that there was a tree that had boobs. Yes, the movie is probably how most people have been exposed to the story. So the Red Bull... It gives you wings. I'm alive. The last unicorn. It gives you wings. ...is a demonic elemental creature that is able to change size, trample its foes, and instill unnatural terror in those it hunts. One time I got scared of a bull because it was a minotaur, so I guess it's more of a half bull and a half man, but I still got scared because men scare me. Because not the animals or not the monsters, but as people say, the most dangerous animal is man. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe that's really true. And one time I was watching this documentary about the world and about the earth and about 
about pollution and I was like, oh my gosh, man is the worst part of this whole thing. So I was like, anytime I see a man, I'm going to get scared. And so I saw a man and I was like, ah. And then I saw another man and I was like, ah. And then I saw a woman and I was like, I know how to feel about that. But then I was like, I shouldn't be gendering people because I don't know if it was a man or a woman because the way that we have our gender expression is different from our gender identity. And so I was just like, hello, how are you today? And the person was like, I'm good. And I was like, that's cool. And then I was like, maybe I don't have to be so scared. It also has a fiery aura and can teleport around as a fireball. Oh, fireball. Whoosh. Yes. Whoosh, indeed. But it's also blind. Oh, I know what that means. That means that it can't see because one time I went to the school and somebody was like, we're going to pretend like we're blind so we can talk about our senses. And I was like, oh my gosh, how many senses do I have? My teacher was like, you have five. And I was like, oh my gosh, what? Five senses? That seems like a lot of senses. And then she was like, one of them is being able to see. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can see how that could be something that's pretty exciting for people to know about. And so then she put on these dark glasses and I had a stick in my hand. And then one of my other classmates was supposed to show me around. But then I was like, wait a minute, I'm attached to other heads. And so how come I'm the only one that's acting like I'm blind? And I realized it was just the other heads playing a trick on me. And so I couldn't say anything because when I couldn't see, I stopped talking. For some reason, people don't like it a lot when I talk. So I totally understand. That means when it's blind, that means you can't see. Yes, it can only detect its prey using a sort of life sense. Ooh, that's amazing. Like a life sense, like something that it looks around and it's like, I can sense if this thing has any life in it. I wonder if that would be a really hard thing to do. Like if that's a job that somebody has, like that'd be really hard. Like I think that I would hate that. Do you think there's anything that this monster hates? Like, do you know how like Superman hates Clark Kent and like because it's his inner side right it's like who he's actually supposed to be but it's not who it is he's the fake one you know because Superman's the real thing I wonder if it's like with Superman with Kryptonite where it's like it's a part of where he comes from but he also hates it which is something that my therapist keeps talking to me about which is something inherently inside of us but it's something that we hate and so sometimes my therapist is like maybe you talk so much because you inside you hate yourself and I'm like I don't hate myself I think I'm pretty cool and then I had a conversation with myself where I was like hey how are you and I was like I'm doing good what is your name my name is number 14 what's your name and then it's like my name is Sally and I was like oh hi Sally what's going on and then it's like how are you what do you hate and I said nothing do you think that the monster hates something surprisingly excellent questions 14 the bull is not a fan of water as you would expect from an elemental largely consisting of fire and it also hates sunlight. Oh, like a vampire. Sometimes I, I, like, like, is this a Red Bull that's also a vampire? Is it like a vampire Red Bull and then it's going to suck on the necks of other Red Bulls and those Red Bulls are going to be like, I have wings and now I'm a vampire, so it's a vampire that can fly that has wings. But what kind of wings? Because most vampires have bat wings, but sometimes and when you watch the commercials for the Red Bulls, the wings that they give you are like angel wings. Once there's like an angel wing vampire and sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, this is a vampire, but it's going to suck your neck, but it also looks like an angel, so where is it from? Is it from heaven or is it from hell and then somebody's like I don't think those two things exist and you're like what are the Jehovah's Witnesses doing here no Ty the Red Bull is not a vampire silence would use a wooden stick to kill it you know or like maybe some garlic or like a mirror or like a silver bullet or like bring a priest in and be like this is the holy water or they should just sit there and be like let's just talk until the sun comes up and but then sometimes you're like oh no what if it's a vampire that's just a sparkly vampire not a vampire that goes away when the sun comes up and so you're like what kind of vampire is this bull gonna be and so they should do all kinds of things they should just talk to it and it should be ready and if it does have sparkly then it should start to think like maybe this is just a, a vampire that needs a girlfriend because that's what happened in that movie that I saw there was a vampire and his, his skin was all sparkly and then he got a girlfriend and then they had a baby and the baby was weird looking. Not a vampire, 14. But it would be really cool if it was a vampire because if it was a vampire and it was a bull, it would be like this red bull vampire and then it would be like it could never live, like die and then sometimes it would be like I'm only awake at night and then this whole thing would be like why are we doing this at night and where's this coffin and who makes a coffin for a bull and like how does the bull even fit into a coffin because the coffin is shaped the way that the coffin is shaped and so 
sometimes it's like, what if we all couldn't fit inside coffins? Or what if we didn't even need coffins? And so sometimes I think about that and I'm like, oh my gosh, the existentialism of knowing that someday I'm going to die is pretty amazing. And I think like, what if I die? But what if my other heads don't? And then I'm just sitting there like a limp head while the other heads there. And they're all like, oh, I missed number 14. Number 14 was the greatest. And then everybody's like, oh my gosh, what happened to number 14? They're like, I don't know. It is a circle of life. And then everybody's like, oh my gosh, we should watch that movie. <sighs> This was not the sort of show I was expecting to be a part of when I woke up this morning. I never woke up this morning because I technically didn't go to sleep last night. Like, we laid down into bed, of course, because some of my other brothers and their heads laying to sleep. But I was like, I'm just too excited to sleep because I was excited about doing this tomorrow. And so I was like, we're going to be watching this amazing Monster Smash ride. So I was just sitting there and I was sitting there. And then I looked over and I saw number 62 was sleeping. And I was like, look at him. He's still sleeping. But we have the same body. How come he's still sleeping and I'm not? Why is that so weird? How come we have different heads? How come we have different brains? What's going on in his brain? What's going on in his? So instead, I just sat there and I just watched him sleeping all night and I never went to bed because I just sat there and watched him sleeping. Wait, why? I was painting him like a French girl like in that movie where the boat sinks and everybody's like, oh my gosh, that cute boy's gonna have a boat sink and what's he gonna do? And the girl's like, I don't want to be here by myself. And so she jumps off the boat and her mom's like, no, what are you doing? Can't jump off. And the other guy's like, oh, the real man makes his own look. Not entirely sure why I asked that because this just turned incredibly creepy. Oh, yeah, I could paint you too if I want. It was been, I could sit here and just do it right now in my mind. I could be like, what color would I paint for Bat Boy? And then you'd just be like, oh my gosh, number 14, you're the best in the whole world of coloring. That's all right. I'll pass. No, you don't need to worry about passing. I'm doing it right now in my mind because there's nothing that you can do because it's just in my mind, like with my imagination. We'll go ahead and turn the time over to Jenny Greenteeth. Jenny? Thanks, BB. Sounds like things in there are going really well for you. Uh-huh. Oh, Jenny, you're really, really pretty. Oh, my gosh, you look just like this girl in my class that I knew, and her name was Cherry, and I just remember thinking, like, oh, my gosh, her name is Cherry. That's, like, my favorite color, and it's my favorite color is red, and my favorite sucker is also a cherry. So I was like, hey, I went up to her, and I was like, hi, Cherry, you're really pretty. And she's like, thanks so much. I know, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty. Fun. Well, folks, we have two fighters today who happen to have the ability to gore with horns or antlers. So we thought we'd enlist an expert to tell us a little bit more about stab wounds. I have here with me a Valkyrie from Norse mythology, which means I'll never be able to pronounce this name. Herfjordanort. That's actually Herfjotr. 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 Halfjotr. Herfjotr. Her. Horse flarter. Her future. Nerf herder. Hoof leafler. Hoof noof 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 nurture. My name is Herf Yo I'm gonna call you Herf. <sighs> so, Herf, you are one of the famous Valkyries, battle maidens of the gods who escort vanquished souls of mighty warriors to the halls of Valhalla. Yes. My sisters and I serve under Odin and judge the slain sending the greatest fighters to Valhalla to prepare for Ragnarok. So you've seen a lot of battle. Absolutely. The odds of somebody getting stabbed in this monster smash this evening are, well, Vegas level good. So could you tell us exactly what goes on when pierced with a weapon? Certainly. Many of my fellow Valkyries carry spears, so we're well aware of the damage a well-placed impalement can cause. So between slashing and piercing, which is better? Well, if you're trying to use self-defense or retreat, slashing with a sword or dagger into a muscle group can cause impediment to the range of motion of your attacker. But if your intention is deadly force, stabbing will concentrate on one spot, increasing the focused pressure and allowing the point to slip right in. In the name of Ty... 
That's what she said. Once impaled, depending on the location, abdomen being the most common, the weapon may damage vital organs and cause internal bleeding, something that most slashing weapons don't inflict. Any downsides? Eh, mortality rates of piercings is lower than blunt force trauma, and a horn or knife won't cause widespread damage like a gunshot wound. So the lethality's limited. Most deaths from stabbings are from organ failure or blood loss, so it isn't quick either. Still, watching matadors get gored by bulls is pretty harrowing. Yes, but you have to remember that the amount of force behind the strike will also play into the damage done. Jabbing someone with a spear is very different from getting tackled by 1,500 pounds of survival instinct with a sharp tip. Terrible and outdated sport, by the way. Very true on both counts. Luckily, this battle will be much more fair, and both creatures have agreed to this fight. Really? How did you convince the Chilin to fight when it hates violence? You'll just have to wait and see. Thank you again. Herf... Herf... You crazy Valkyrie, you! Herf, you tar. Mm -hmm. That's what I said. Thanks for exploring the world of pointy trauma with us. One time I accidentally oh, stabbed myself with a toothpick and it really hurt really bad, but then Jeez. I realized it wasn't a toothpick. It was actually a sharp pretzel stick, and I was like, where'd that sharp pretzel stick come from? And then somebody was like, you were just eating them, and I was like, oh my gosh, and I looked down and they were holding a bag of pretzel sticks, and I was like, oh my gosh, it was me, and I didn't even actually stab me. It just poked the inside of my mouth, so then I just ate it. How did you get here, 14? You're supposed to be in the booth. Bad Boy said I need to come see you right away because he had this Viking lady with you, and Vikings are really cool because, like, one time I was like, very funny, BB. <laughs> yeah. Watch your back. I just learned how dangerous a well-placed knife can be. Well, Smash fans, as I contemplate just how much worse this day can get for me, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll find out if the Red Bull's unicorn dominance is cross-cultural or if the Chilin's divine luck will hold out. Don't go away. And now, an ad from Mero Unlife. It took 13 minutes to reach the doors to the mall from the parking garage. Stupid shambling legs. Please let there still be some survivor meat left. Only to find out that the humans are barricaded in the mall on the other side of town. I'm gonna kill Terry! How hard is it to remember which one is the north side mall and which is the south side mall? One's in the north and one's in the south, Terry! Even worse, you could have used those 13 shambling minutes to switch your unlife insurance to Marrow. Marrow. 13 minutes could save you 13% or more on unlife insurance. Welcome back to the Monster Smash League. I'm Batboy, and joining me on commentary is, uh, Typhon, Greek father of all monsters. Do we have a head for this? Indeed. Oh, wow. You are head number one. A true Typhon. I'm honored. I have chosen to end this ridiculous rotation of lesser personalities so that you may experience the true terror and might of the father of all monsters. I see that you've chosen to hunch way over so that you can get your face into the booth. Are you comfortable? Comfort is for the craven. I will endure. You also destroyed the roof. I apologize for nothing. Fair enough. Are you excited for the Chi Lin versus the Red Bull? I forever yearn to view bloodshed and destructive violence. Well, all right then. It occurs to me, however, that many have wondered why this peaceful 
Chinese creature will be engaging in mortal combat. Ah, yes, that. Earlier, Jenny mentioned that this battle is a first for this season due to featuring a creature from popular fiction, but she didn't mention that there is another reason our match tonight will be unique. Enough useless platitudes. Reveal the information. Right, right. Uh, tonight's smash will be a dangerous game of keep away. Explain. The Chilin agreed to participate if we altered the requirements for victory. Instead of having to beat the Red Bull into submission, the Chilin will be trying to escape the Red Bull. I see. This explains the network of tunnels that have been placed in the field of battle. Yes. Both combatants will begin deep within the maze of caverns and passages. If the Chi-Lin is able to evade the bull and find the exit, it will be declared the winner. And if the fiendish bovine is able to subdue or eliminate the Chi-Lin, it will be victorious? Bingo. A fascinating situation. I will remain impartial, though I secretly wish for the path with the most injury and pain. Well, the Red Bull is definitely an evil entity, so the Chi Lin will have no issue if it is forced to engage. Good. Let us begin. Oh, uh, all right. Then go for it. You mean the ceremonial exclamation of the sports title? Yeah. Pointless showmanship. I refuse. Uh, fine. I'll just do it, I guess. Monster, Monster Smash! Smash! Our two fighters have begun the challenge in two different parts of the cave system, so we'll see how fast the Red Bull can lock onto its target. The Chilin mocks its opponent. It is walking calmly instead of rushing to find an exit. You're right, Typhon. The Chinese unicorn is even stopping to smell interesting rocks every once in a while. It certainly doesn't seem to be taking this seriously. This angers me. Though I recall that the Chilin is not an overly cautious creature. Yes, it's less skittish deer and more lazy giraffe right now. Good. The bull is on the prowl. Looking at the other section of tunnels, that red bovine is not wasting any time. Even making its own path! As all dangerous foes do. Well, this is about to come to a head real soon. Look at the Chi Lin! It reminds me of a doe staring into the lights of an oncoming vehicle. Folks, the Chi Lin is just standing and looking in the general direction of the noise. This is about to get ugly. Contact! Blast! I was hoping the rubble would collide with the gentle creature, yet it gracefully leapt to safety. Amazing! The Uniraf is still not running. It's silently staring at Haggard's pet. Ah, I have seen this many times. It is assessing the threat level of the Crimson Cow, staring deep into its blind eyes. Interestingly, the Red Bull seems perplexed. It's probably wondering why the Chi Lin isn't running in fear. Well, as a divine creature, it is immune to supernatural terror, and so that effect is neutralized. <laughs> I believe this means that my wish for violence is about to ensue. The bull is pawing at the stone and has ignited its aura of flame. It's going to charge. Here it comes. Whoa! Impressive. 
The animal's agility combined with its air walking allowed it to simply leap straight up and stand above the bowl as it passed beneath. Colliding with the wall! And now the ceiling is collapsing from the impact. Boulders and stalactites are falling from above. <laughs> the bowl is being pelted with stones while the Chilin is standing perfectly still. How is it not being hit by debris? I believe it was mentioned that this Chinese monster has an element of good fortune imbued within it. I think you're right, Typhon. Of course I am. And now the Chi Lin has taken off down the tunnel. The chase begins. Was there not another way to inspire the Chi Lin to battle more directly? I fear this game will infuriate me. Well, we tried to find a sage or truly pure person for it to protect, but every religious person we could find was Catholic. Ah, uh, yes, that wouldn't work. Yeah, bit of a non-starter. The Red Bull is in pursuit. Wow. It's much faster than I thought it would be. This demon benefits from a variation of bloodlust that allows it to increase its speed the longer it is in chase. Well, that means there's a time limit on this whole contest. I would assume that the Chilin's luck will expire eventually. It's strange to see the Uniraf running but making no sound. To be expected from one who does not touch the ground. I take a right, then another right. And a left, a right, a left, a left, a right, left, right. A poor choice. He's right, folks, because we're heading straight for a dead end. And with the bull having noticeably grown larger in size, the collision will be devastating. I grow more excited with every passing minute. Someone should inform the Chi Lin because it hasn't slowed down at all. Wow, such grace. I grow more weary with each passing minute. Like an inverted Olympic swimmer switching directions, the Chi Lin just kicked off of the stone, backflipped, and spun to right itself as it climbed over the charging elemental and continued back the way it came. And this red bowl crashes into yet another wall. Is this creature intelligent? Yes, but it's very driven, almost obsessed with running down its prey. You could say it has, pardon the pun, tunnel vision. I will not pardon anything. Um, okay, I'll just continue then? There is nothing to ramble on about. The bull has yet to even turn around as the craven pacifist is well beyond its reach now. You may have spoken too soon, Typhon. My speech is perfectly timed. Yes, but the Red Bull just turned into a fireball and instantly appeared in front of the Chi Lin. And the animal is unable to stop in time. Wonderful. The Chinese unicorn has been driven forcefully into the cave structure. A tremendous headbutt, to be sure. The Chi Lin was so surprised by the bull's teleportation that it couldn't react. It is trying to regain its footing. Tackled into the side again. It's as if the Red Bull said, No, no, please don't get up. Why would a creature such as this say such a thing? It's just a, a colorful way of saying it shoved its opponent back down. I believe I am supposed to be the color commentator, correct? Well, yeah. Very well. It's as if the Red Bull said, No, no, please don't get up. Great. Well put. Oh, now it's getting bad. This is what I was looking for. A relentless assault by the Red Beast. 
The Chi Lin is getting absolutely brutalized. What will it do? Hot! It seems the Chi Lin is willing to retaliate now. Its sacred flames have just ignited and pushed the beast back momentarily. Each creature's aura is blending with the other. It's just one big burning mass. Ooh, that was a perfectly placed antler. Yes, wonderful. The Red Bull's temporary surprise has cost it the advantage. The Chilin has drawn blood with a swift uppercut under the chin. Blood? What blood? That looks more like liquid magma spilling out. Let us see the bull's anger push it to the next level of aggression. Hopefully its anger will translate into speed because the Chinese unicorn just bolted again. Luckily, the monster is already pursuing. Look there, Typhon. The Chi-Lin is galloping upwards, hugging the ceiling. Will this pose a problem for the flightless bull? Unlikely. See how the bull is already increasing in size, filling up more of the tunnel? A practical counter to the opponent's air walking. It's bigger than an elephant now! Which isn't making those turns any easier. More debris is descending from above. And still no contact! The Chilin's luck is holding strong. For now, the bull is catching up. It's getting too close! A what? daring maneuver! And a perfect follow-up. I've never seen tactics like this before. The Chi Lin waited until the Red Bull was within a few feet before nosediving to the floor and keeping low, causing the enlarged bovine to run over the top of it without hitting it. Except that its antler was tall enough to rake the underbelly, slicing deep into the beast's torso. Magma is pouring all over the Uniraf, but being immune to fire, it is unfazed. The bull needs to recover after tumbling down the path or else it will lose everything. A powerful blast of fire breath just erupted from the Chilin's mouth, engulfing the Red Bull. A grave miscalculation. This bovine is immune to flames as well. Bull is getting back up again. And getting knocked back down. And getting back up again. It'll never be able to keep him down. Despite a strong donkey kick with its rear hooves to plant the bull back on its haunches, I think I have to agree with you. Of course. It is plain that this Chinese fauna is unable to destroy such an uncontrollable force of chaos. I think the Chi Lin is realizing this as well. It just kicked again, but this time it cheekily used the force to propel itself away and back down the tunnel. And the bull charges forward once more. Typhon, does it look like the Chi Lin is getting more frantic? Indeed. It is becoming desperate to find a way out. A right, a left, straight ahead, left again. And there it is. The opening! It's the home stretch! The bull is inches behind! It's almost there! The beast is on top of it! And... Oh my lord! <laughs> Where once was daylight is now a massive scarlet monstrosity! The Chi Lin needs to turn! Both giant horns have been embedded into the Chi Lin's side! And the bull is carrying it deeper into the cave. The smaller creature is kicking to no avail. It drove right through the wall and stopped. The Chilin has been thrown forward to the stone flooring. Oh my, I think the Chilin's luck has run out. It's standing up but can't seem to hold itself steady. Try to run now, K.
coward. Impartiality, Typhon? It's trying to run, but a serious limp is holding it back. Ah, uh, it is time for the running of the bowl. And we all know what happens to the runners who can't keep the pace. Termination. With nostrils blazing and lava pouring from its wounds, the Red Bull has run down the wounded animal and crushed it under its massive, trampling hooves. Wow, for a new variation on Monster Smash procedure, that was quite fun. I am pleased as well. Not much to say about this matchup. With matching auras of wildfire, this was all about speed and strength. The Chilin was much faster than the Red Bull. At first. But the Unicorn Hunter has a knack for always catching up to its prey. Its bloodlust ability. Meaning the longer this went, the faster it became. Add on the fact that it can change into a fireball to teleport, and you've got a huge angry cow you can't shake. Yes, the Chilin had some luck, but nothing we could find would indicate that it was anything more than minor influence over events. A powerful entity like the Red Bull could easily overwhelm it. And the Chilin was intelligent enough to navigate the maze and find the exit rather quickly, but with a massive monster harassing it, it just couldn't make it to the gate in time. So close, yet so far, the winner is the Red Bull. Oh my gosh, number one, can we go home now because I'm just really hungry? I just ate a shovel and it didn't really help me because... Shoot, I, really I had a shovel once. Was, like, <laughs> was the only way I was able to keep my buddy Skeeter from digging up his dead cockatrice for necromantic purposes. Patrick, I am disappointed that you ousted me at the beginning of this uncouth charade. I will be filing a formal complaint at our next meeting. You know, number eight, after all was said and done, you weren't the worst tie today. Oh, well, if you'd like, I could return for the next show. Not a chance. Number 42 shall continue to fulfill his duties going forward, number eight. But I have so many opinions about how to make these creature duels more analytical and thought-provoking. You're still the worst, number eight. And with that definitive and accurate statement, it's time to say goodbye for this week. For Yowie, Jenny Greenteeth, and the many heads of Typhon, Greek father of all monsters, I'm Batboy saying, good night, Ms. Ripley, wherever you are. See you next time.